Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Everybody good? Yeah. I want to welcome all of our friends and family online. We welcome you guys as well. And for anybody's out in that hallway out there, that lobby, thank you guys for being out there too. Hey, let's give it up for them out there as well. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. We need to build a bigger place, everybody. Come on, somebody. It's about to, it's about to be that time, um, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Hey, um, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and I'm so glad you're here. If, if you're a guest with us today, I just want you to know how grateful we are that you're here. If, you, if you've been away and you're coming back, whatever the case is, we know. We know you could literally be anywhere doing anything, and the fact that you've chosen uh, to be here with us uh, means mean so much, means so very much, and we'll never, never take it for granted that people come here uh, to, to, to check us out, and we're so glad you're here. Welcome on behalf of all of us. Um, to LifePoint. I, I want to add one more thing to the announcements, uh, the 21 days of prayer. For those of you who are unable to make it out here during the week or on the weekend, I just want to remind you that at Next Step Central, which is on the left on your way out there, we have prayer request cards that you can drop in a little box that says prayer request cards on it. Um, the folks out there will help you. Anybody needs, you need help? And every morning, those prayer requests are on a little uh, wall that we have here and every morning, many, many people over the course of weeks are gonna get those cards if you choose to put them there and um, are gonna pray over your requests. And I just want you to know that there's power in prayer. There is power in prayer, particularly when we agree together. Come on, everybody, we agree together. And so if you got anything going on, if you got family members, you got friends, man, just put it on the card and, and we wanna pray with you about that and we'll be praying all during the week for that. And then we have prayer journals out there as well. These are free to you if you don't have one of these. If you've never, we don't change them. So if you have one, this isn't a new one. This is the same one we have. And those of you who go, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do when I pray. There's some amazing resources inside this book. You can get it. For, it's free, totally free, no strings attached, right at Next Step Central on your way out. Our prayer focus is out there as well. This is the things that we're praying together for the 21 days as a church family, and we'd love for you to jump in. This morning, we're starting a brand new uh, teaching series on the book of Malachi. Um, from average to excellent spiritually is what we're talking about over the next few weeks. I remember when I was in my teens and, and really even in my early 20s, I had no idea about excellence. Like I didn't consider excellence a thing to be grasped for. I didn't strive for it. I, in fact, I knew some people who were always talking about excellence and I saw them as kind of highly organized, super freak, rigidly scheduled, chart-making, gold star-loving early risers. Come on, anybody, know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like throwing an elbow, that's you, he's talking about you. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. My idea in those days was to get by uh, in school, come on, just to do the best that I could so I passed because I didn't want to stay in that school any longer than I had to. Can I get a witness from somebody? Right, um, I, I was as average as you can imagine. And I, I got average grades in high school. I got average grades when I went to seminary. I did average work on the, the jobs that I had because I gave average effort. I had average friendships because I put 
Average work into them, and honestly, I, I even hate to admit this, but in those days, friendships were mostly about what I got out of them. I, I had an average relationship with God. I was a believer. I was raised in the church. I was a believer, but I gave average or less than average attention and, uh, to my relationship with God. I graduated from college. I'll never forget those first few months that summer. I traveled all, all summer long uh, with various bands and, and, and singing groups that I was part of. And then I got home, it was probably late July, and I got my world rocked when I got home and I discovered nobody wanted to hire um, a ho-hum person, a person who lived their life in a ho-hum kind of way. Nobody wanted to hire me. And I had zero prospects and I was terrified and my parents were terrified, come on, because they had just spent some money to put me through a school they did not want me to go to, come on, everybody. And now their worst fears were like, oh, we knew he was gonna fail at this, you know. They actually told me that later, thank you very much for that. (laughs) Somehow, um, somehow in that fall, it was around November, by default I was asked to be the student leader. And by default, I mean the pastor actually said to me, to my face, we've asked everybody. Nobody will do it. Could you do it? Oh, thanks, man. I really, uh, really, I'm honored. I'm honored, privileged to stand up, sir. (laughs) Run with this flag. It it wasn't long after that, about January the following year, that I was asked to go to a day-long Um, conference in Louisiana, in Alexandria, Louisiana, and John Maxwell, Dr. John Maxwell was the speaker. And if you don't know Dr. John Maxwell, I highly recommend you grab his resources. Probably in our generation, the greatest leadership expert who has, has lived, at least in my time. And as I heard this man, this, this, he's a Christian man, he was a pastor for years, and now he coaches the biggest companies in the world. Um, when I heard this man speak about leadership and having vision and getting clear on your life and, and I heard him talk about excellence and, and doing things the right way and doing things to your absolute best, something happened to me in that, it was probably about an eight hour seminar that changed my life forever, honestly changed my life forever. Hey, there's the lights. Just wanna make sure everybody was staying with us, right? I went home from Louisiana that time, back here, and I bought, or I, come on, I borrowed from the pastor's office every leadership book I could get my hands on, some of which are still in my office right now. Praise God, I'm a thief. Praise, I'm just, I just wanna be honest in the, in the <laughs> transparency. I ran across one of them the other day, I was like, ooh, this isn't actually mine, but it's been too long to give it back, all right. I started taking stock of my life. I was 23 years old. And I started comparing what I felt my my potential was um, to my reality. And I I was literally, I can remember it vividly, I was sick to my stomach. Like, I I couldn't believe that I had wasted those years that I could never get back and, and whatever talent and whatever giftings God had given me on on, on, on less than my best. And, and I was desperate for change and, and I absorbed myself in these books and I absorbed myself in, that, in those days in the word of God and, and I, was, I, I was like, I don't want to live an ordinary life. 
I don't want to live an average life. Like, like if the best I have is, ends up being average, that's okay. But I, I, I couldn't, couldn't, I knew I hadn't been given it my all. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make my life count. And I realized that for me, ordinary, just kind of regular, average, just barely getting by wouldn't do. I had to do my best. So at the age of 23, I set out on a journey to live um, an excellent life in honor of the one who gave his best for me. Now, I haven't by any measuring stick arrived, all right? So you don't have to remind me. I know, okay, all right, I know. Like, dude, you shouldn't be talking about this today, right? Like, but but I want to share with you some thoughts that I learned then and I've learned now on, on from, from the book we're gonna study, the book of Malachi, about three, I think, key areas of life. Malachi talks about spiritual life, he talks about relational life, and he talks about financial life in particular. And, and so, this is the last book of the Old Testament, four very kind of short chapters, all of them. Um, and it's, it's, it's a book that probably not many of you have ever read, um, if you t- especially recently, if you tell me that you read it this morning, I'll be forced to cut you and carve on your gravestone, here lies, just that, lies, come on, right? I'm not really violent, just if you're a guest with us, every now and then I have to do knife talk. I have one, and I just feel prone towards knife talk. Anyways, now, rather than me burying you with a whole lot of detail about the background of the book, the, the circumstances uh, that prompted God uh, ordering this book up. All you really didn't know for the purposes of this couple of three weeks is that there was a man named Malachi who was commissioned by God look at, to reestablish standards of excellence amongst God's people. Not, not the nations around, not people who didn't know God, just God's people. And, and this was a book written for God's people in this season of their history, people who knew him, People who had watched him move, but had lost their way. And so, I remember years ago reading Peter Drucker. By the way, Peter Drucker, German, most of the modern management culture in the world was, a lot of it was discovered and and created by Peter Drucker. He he used to say, he was fond of saying, um, that one of the most important functions of leadership, and you can apply this at any level of leadership, whether you're leading a family, you're leading a business, you're leading a, a group, a team, One of the most important functions of leaders is to uphold standards of excellence for the simple reason that without consistent promptings, without consistent challenges and reminders, excellence and excellence standards always drift where? South, it's true. It's true, it's true of me, it's true of you. It's just true. As as a spiritual leader and one of the directors here at LifePoint, one of the pastors of LifePoint, I wanna do my job to just prompt and urge us those of you who are at home, those of you who will listen to this, watch this later, to urge us on to spiritual things. In Malachi's day, this is precisely what had begun to happen to the attitudes, the behaviors, the relationships amongst God's people. Everything was drifting south. People's spiritual lives were drifting south. Their, their relational lives, the way they, had, they treated their marriages and their, their family relationships were drifting south. Their money, money management, their morality was all headed south. Eerily similar to our day, just FYI. So God appoints an in-your-face kind of guy named Malachi, which means my messenger, by the way, and, and to come and reestablish the standards and, and to challenge people to live up to them. So today I'm gonna go to chapter one. 
I'm just gonna read a part of it. So just so you catch the context of what we're gonna read here, hundreds of years prior to Malachi's writings, God had established a sacrificial system to help to deal with the sins of the people, all the way back in Moses' day. And, and so when he said, when you're coming into the temple, the tabernacle, which is what they called it, which was a tent of meeting, that's what they called it, you, you bring your very best offering, your very best lamb, and I don't mean finances, it wasn't money that they were dealing with, and this, it, there was money that was involved, but this was a, a worship offering, right? Bring your best lamb, that was the actual requirement. Bring your best, the blue ribbon one, the one that you would take to market and make the most money for, make an excellent worship offering when you do. This is my, 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 my command. The standard was give your best. Now part of the reason why God wanted them to do this was because later on, hundreds of years later, when the time was right, the Bible says when, in the the moment of time, in the season of time, when the fullness of time had come, that's the words I was looking for, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, the perfect, sinless lamb of God to, to to take away the sins of the world. God knew, I'm gonna give my very best, and in return, I want you to give me your very best. And this was kind of, him foretelling the fact that Jesus was coming. My best for your best. For a time, the people honored God. They gave their best. They did the best they could. But then when we came to Malachi's day, everything had fallen apart. And here's what God says through Malachi in response. Verse eight. This is chapter one. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Now, let me just give you context here because we don't understand sacrifices like this. But this was an expression to the God who had saved, who had rescued, who had redeemed them. Thank you, God, for for doing all that you've done, for providing. This This is thank you, God, for forgiving our sins. And this time it would just roll it back for a year. But thank you, God, for redeeming us, for rescuing us. And when you give blind and diseased animals, isn't that wrong? He says, try giving like, gifts like that to your governor because the governor would also do this. And, and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all, asks the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish, and he's talking to the priests here, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I I will not accept your offerings, but my name is honored by people of other nations. From morning till night, all around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. He goes, for my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of of, of, of heaven's armies, but you, in other words, you, the people of my name, the people of God, you dishonor my name, with your actions, by bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's temple. The table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of, think of it. Animals that are stolen, crippled, sick, presented as offerings of, hey, God, we, we're so grateful for you, right? Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is heard among the nations. I think that you can sense a bit of frustration here, yes or no, right? Even, 
Even anger, and some people are like, oh, I don't know about an angry Old Testament God. No, no, this is, this is the God. He's, he, he's, he deserves the best, and he's, not, he's getting the worst, right? Now, now, just to be clear, his anger here is meant to provoke them to return to him. So, in fact, in chapter 3, that's what he says. Return to me, and I'll return to you. His heart is not, he's not angry at them from his heart. Like he's not, his heart is not like, I'm turning away from you. His heart is always, was always, is always, in our case as well, locked in a position of unfailing love. In fact, verse two, he says, have I not loved you? Like, have I not given my very best to you? Now, just to be clear, this is an ancient time people group that God is speaking to specifically here. But, but it gives us a glimpse into God's expectations for the people that he's saved, for the people that he's rescued and redeemed. He's not talking to people who don't know him. He's not talking to people out there. He's talking to the people who know him. And instead of these people going, man, what has God done for me? And I'm gonna respond in kind. They go and look for the, the, the worst to give to the best. And by the way, this was the perfect description of my life in my younger ages. And, and, and obviously, certainly t- various times in my life sacrifice time comes they begrudgingly rock around their herds or they go and try to find one on the cheap from their neighbor's herd and and what are they looking for the pathetic lamb come on the one that's got jacked up teeth you ever seen a goat with some jacked up teeth y'all one that's so crippled and funky smelling he's got to lean up against the fifth fence just to stand up and he feels so bad about himself he's like just pick me already like he's ready to sacrifice himself right and they say, oh, okay, this is the one we need. This is the one that's fit for the king. In light of all the rescuing and redeeming that God's done for me, here's the one that's fit for the king. The one who rescued us from 400 years of slavery. In fact, they run, it, they run to the altar and they're like, here, God, here's, a, here's an offering that's worth everything to us. But the whole deal offends him to the point where he says through Malachi, better you not bring any lamb at all, then you bring a defective one, right? Shut the temple doors, priests, so that nobody else can do that again. Signed, God, right? Now, how does this relate to you and I, right? Because none of this is, is our world, our reality. I, I think I'm, I'm, this is a, a message for people who would say, I follow Jesus, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm, I've given my life to Jesus. I, I want us, I want me, I want you, I want those of you who are at home, wherever you're doing this at, I want us to dig inside of our hearts and our lives and ask ourselves this question, wrestle with it. Am I giving my best to God? Or am I offering to the God of the heavens of angel armies, am I offering him my leftovers of my devotion because everybody's devoted to something. Everybody has something in your world, your life of highest value. Am I devoting to him? Am I giving my best to him of my time and of my, my skills and my abilities and my passions and my energies and my resources? Or am I saying, God, here's some scraps. Hope you're happy with it. So at the age of 23, all I had ever done was give God leftovers. Leftover time, leftover passion, leftover talent, leftover money, and leftover love. That's all I had ever done. In fact, what's so scary to me now looking back is it never even occurred to me that giving God leftovers could be offensive to him. 
right? In my youthful arrogance, I thought, well, God will be thrilled with any little scrap of affection or attention or any little bone of honor that I'd pitch his way. That's what I thought until, until, until I began to search the text for the excellence of God. So I wanna take you to give you a glimpse, a snapshot of the excellence of your God and my God. All the way back to the very first chapter of your Bible, Genesis chapter one. I wanna read this from the message just for its, its language. God looked over everything he had made. Come on, would you say this line with me? It was so good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. By any standard of measurement, God did a good job when he created the heavens and the earth. Do you agree, yes or no? Like, like spend a single morning in Rocky Mountain National Park and have your breath taken away from you as you notice all of the creative acts of God. T- take a day and, and drive on the Pacific Coast Highway through the middle of California up to Northern California, or, 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 or go, if you like the East Coast better, go up into Maine and drive through the coastline of Maine and go up into Acadia National Park and go up on the top of Cadillac Mountain and take a look around at what you see or, or spend an evening closer to home, maybe uh, under the stars out in far west Texas. Give God a grade. How do you do? Go, go to the Grand Canyon. Go to, go to Niagara Falls and have your breath sucked away by the power of that. Go, go to Maui, go to Costa Rica. Those of us who just went there, we didn't even see the best parts of it. It was mind-blowing. Give God a grade. Was it, is it fair? Is it good or is it excellent? How did he do? Th- then I thought about the wonders of God creating human beings, us. Men and women, male and female, he created them, it says, with bodies and minds and spirits and souls, marvelously complex, physical and emotional and spiritual capacities that that many of the animals, none of the animals have that just boggles the imagination. Excellent, A plus God. And then I thought about how these magnificent creations that God made, the the people, they, they balled up their fists and rebelled against God very early on in the story. And instead of God stomping them out for their insurrection, God demonstrates excellent forbearance, excellent patience. Century after century, millennia after millennia, keeps giving them grace and mercy. He was, he's he's got an excellent patience. I think of the time in the Old Testament where God's people were delivered from the hand of their enemies, even though they were outnumbered 100 to one. God gave his people excellent provision, protection throughout the history of Israel. Go read the stories. He delivers people from, from, from famines and, and drought and offer them excellent provision, water from a rock, Moses, manna from heaven, quail, they couldn't even fill their mouths with all of it, life-saving provision over and over and over and over we read this. The Old Testament is filled with the excellent acts of, of God. And then you come into the New Testament and the Bible says when the fullness of time had come, God gave the absolute best he had to give his son Jesus. John 3 in fact says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, God gives us the one thing He only has one of. And Jesus sets the eternal standards for excellence 
and life and teaching. Nobody, the Bible, people would say, nobody's ever heard anybody like him before. His integrity, his character, his wisdom was so, was so incredible that his final judge, Pilate, said, I can find no fault in him. He lived the next, he had an excellent love. Nobody ever loved like Jesus loved. His love was, his love was of another kind. He, Jesus re- redefined excellence at every turn and when it came time for Jesus to pay the price of your sins and mine, he died an excellent death. You ever thought about it like that? Jesus died an excellent death. He carried his own cross up the hill. He forgave those who were pounding spikes into his hands and feet while they were doing so. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize who they're killing. He made made arrangements for John to take care of his mother while he was making the ultimate arrangement for all of us. Within moments of his final breath, he makes room for one more sinner in his coming kingdom, the thief on the cross next to him, and then he bowed his head and said, it is finished. He died an excellent death. But but listen, the story wasn't ending there. He, He pulled off an excellent resurrection. Come on, I want you to think about this. Do you read in the Gospels, you find that when they came to see Jesus and found him not there, what they find instead, he had folded his grave clothes so neatly and nicely. Come on, if I'm coming up out of the grave, I'm just throwing it off and walking out. But but Jesus, not Jesus, I'm gonna make sure that when they find it, they find it neat and orderly. In fact, the Bible says that he he snuck out of the tomb so he didn't even wake up the 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 soldiers according to them let them sleep they need their rest he then he showed himself to 500 other people after this and and he took the express elevator home uh, to heaven right and then he sent his excellent spirit the holy spirit right so that each of his followers could be filled with the power of God right and his presence so they'd always have somebody to guide them throughout life The Spirit of God speaking, whispering, don't do that. Go this way. Let's do it this way. What an excellent thing, by the way, this Holy Spirit is. Amen, somebody. And then he launched an excellent dynamic organism called the church, which which would be the way that he would express his love to love-starved world throughout the generations. He gave his family, his followers, a family to belong to, a mission to commit their lives to. And then it says, Scripture tells us that he's preparing an excellent eternity for all of us who love him. In fact, Paul would say it this way, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow, everybody. And between here and there, he says, I've come to give you life to the full, abundant life, John 10, 10. When you start to take account of the excellence and his excellent activities towards his people of God, you you begin to understand why John says that when he was on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter five, that he saw into the future and he saw all of us and every believer throughout history and he said what I saw was that everybody, the creatures, the elders, everybody was just saying worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's all we're gonna be able to go is just wow at the grandeur, at the glory, at the splendor of Jesus. The psalmist says in Psalm 8, how excellent is your name, O Lord, in all the earth. But back to Malachi, where the prophet essentially says, listen, 
How do human beings respond to that kind of excellence, the excellence of God? Should, should we go and find the least of the least and the worst of the worst and bring that, or should we give God our very best? And Malachi would say, hint, blemished lamb is not the right answer. The one leaning up against the fence, the one waiting to die, the blind one, the worthless one, don't bring the, the worst for the best. Don't do it. You know, sooner or later, those of us who call Jesus Lord, we have to sort this out for ourselves. The kind of lamb we're gonna bring to our God, and I'm using lamb as a metaphor of our life, our expressions of our life. Sooner or later, we're gonna have to answer Malachi's question and determine the quality of our, of our worth, our worship, our worthship with the life that we're gonna live, our lives, whether, it's a, whether we don't have many years left maybe or whether we're still very young, we have to decide what kind of life are we gonna live? How do you move, if you, if you realize like I did at 23, how do you move from, from average at best, at best, to excellence when it comes to the way I live my life as an offering of worship to God? For, for me, three things quickly. I made, I, I made, I made an excellent commitment. And I'll explain that in a minute. I don't mean that in a way of bragging. The first thing I did was say, God, I'm gonna take off the limits of my life, the conditions that I put on you. I'm gonna take them off. It's, I'm gonna follow your spirit as, you, as I understand your spirit, God. I'm gonna live out this unconditional commitment to you, even if it costs me everything. And I remember the day when I did this where I was like, God, everything, everything is on the table. And in that moment, I felt such a relief of taking off the responsibility for my own success and my own well-being and saying, God, I'm putting it all in your hands. My life is yours. You know, I, I hope you guys understand how much I love you, how much our, our church loves you. But, but I wish, I can't, but I wish that I could go to every one of you who are, who, who are following Jesus and just kind of look you in the eye and ask you, have you done this? Have you made a, a carte blanche commitment to God? Have you said, God, all of me for all of you? Or do, or do you have a bunch of commitments? Like, I'll give you part, God. I'll give you 10%, and I'll pat myself on the back for 20% of my life. Or third. No, 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 God says all or nothing. Nobody wants to hear that anymore. Nobody, nobody in America wants to hear that, but that's the word of God. It's not just what God said to Malachi. It's what Jesus said in the New Testament. Malachi doesn't play. He reminds us God's standards. The second thing I did was I, I began to realize that I needed to offer God excellent worship. Like, God deserved uh, uh, not only just an excellent commitment from me, but he, he deserved my very best and, and, uh, of affection. And, and listen, this was hard for me because I'd, I grew up in a family that wasn't huggy. Come on, everybody. We weren't affectionate people, right? I know some of you were raised in the deep, dirty South. Come on, but I wasn't. My parents are from the Midwest. We don't have salt up there. The food groups are coffee and syrup. Come on, everybody. If you're from the Midwest, you know I'm telling you the truth. I love it up there. I love my family, all, both sides of my family. Everybody lives in Kokomo, Indiana. You don't know that place. It's not way down in Kokomo right there. Beach song, come on. Beach boys, it's up there. We weren't huggy, man. Best I could hope for, even today, my dad's 83. It's like maybe a fist bump. It, it, like a begrudging half hug because they just didn't do that. 
right? I, went, I moved to Mississippi to go to seminary and everybody over there was trying to hug me. I was like, get off, man, it's creepy. <laughs> My wife, we got married. She was from East Texas, deep, dirty South. Come on, somebody. They've hugged, everybody hugging everybody. Get off, creeps. I like to hug her though, man. Come on, y'all. I know, I know, I look like this and she looks like that. I, I get it. Folk love to remind me. I understand. The excellence of God. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Sinner like me, old, tired, beat up, bald. Come on, I get it. I started looking through the scriptures, through the Psalms in particular. God, what kind of affection do you want from me? If you ever see me over there going like this, because in the Bible it says, lift your hands, all ye people. If you see me clapping my hands over there and you think, man, that brother's crazy, it says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto the God with the voice of triumph. I'm not, I'm not talking about craziness. I grew up in craziness, folk running around acting crazy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about to the one who gave his best for me. What do you want from me, God. And that started me on a journey where I started to lead worship for, t for 14, 15 years. And, and I remember when I would go out to lead worship back in the old days, I would get on my knees and I'd, I'd read the Psalms, Lord, how can we express to you our gratitude, our worship? Not, not the worst, not the funkiest, not the crippled thing, not this, that. No, no. How do I give you my very best? Thirdly and lastly, I gave him access to my skills and abilities and spiritual gifts, which, by the way, he gave me all of it anyway. I, didn't, I, I wasn't born with all of the stuff. I, I didn't come out by nature. God blessed whatever you have, whatever you've accomplished, realize it all came from God. Every, nah, bro, I work really hard. Yeah, you work really hard because God gave you the ability. He gave you your hands and your feet and your mind and, and your skills and your talent. All of, you were born like that. You gotta work it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta challenge yourself, but God gave it to you. I remember at 34 years of age, my wife and I praying about moving back home to San Antonio to start LifePoint Church. And I had a wrestling match, honestly, because I knew 35 to about 55, 60, if you read it, they say that's your most productive years. You, you, you got a lot of tons of energy early, but you don't really know what you're doing. Witness or not. You hit you 35, you're like, oh. Oh. I've been running really hard, but I didn't know where I was going the whole time. 40, 45, you're like, oh. Ah. So the best of my family's time, the best of our energy, the best of our talents, literally all of our money was gonna have to be on offer, all of it. We moved here. We didn't know if it was gonna work, right? We started with 11 people, and they were all my family, had to be there. Come on, they had no choice. The only one that didn't have to be there was bass player today, Dr. Bill English. He's the only one that didn't have to be there. We didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing. If we're honest, come on. You're like, what? Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We're making this up as we go along. You're welcome. Thanks for being here today. God bless you. It's going to be amazing. We wrestled and then we said, God, because of what you've done for us, 
I'm all in. All of it. Every single part. Now, you're like, brother's up there bragging about his story. I'm telling you, I have a lot of times where I'm like, but I'll take this little bit back. All right, so thank you, God. Just to make sure we're good and safe. And I have to go, no, Danny. Come on, I'm a human being. I wrestle, I struggle just like everybody else in this room. Come on. Do you know what God's done? When people, when his people realize the greatness of him, the excellent activity of our God, and say, yes, Lord. Not just, yes, Lord, with my eternity. Who wouldn't want to do that? Please save me because I can't save myself. Please rescue and redeem me because I don't know how to pay the price. I don't know how to bridge the gap between the sinner that I am and the holiness of God. Jesus said, I'll die on a cross. I'll bridge the gap. You can walk across that. Who wouldn't choose that? But then when I get across that bridge, it's not game over. Now life begins. Will you give me your all? Will you give me your best? Will you give me my, the worship? Will you make an excellent commitment? Will you take your skills, your talents, your abilities, your spiritual gift, your spiritual promptings, your urges, your story, which many of us has been very painful. Will you put it on the table and say, God, if you can use any of this, please use me, God. We have to, re- we have to wrestle with this, everybody. Do you know, and I'm done here, God's not gonna probably call any of you out, most of you out of the marketplace into full-time ministry. Probably he's not gonna do that. Some of you, he will. Some of you as students, some of you, you're gonna wake up one day and you're like, how did I get over here in Costa Rica? God called you there. He, he will. Most of us though, it's just where you're at, on your job, in your home, in your neighborhood, Will you just let me work with you? Will you let my spirit empower you? Will you let my spirit lead and guide you and direct you? And will you be willing to do what I say to do? And, and, and how will you do that? I want to say this, not as a manipulative effort because it's not true here, all right? But in churches all across America right now since 2020, and that little thing that happened back then, y'all remember that one little deal that happened back over there? And a million other things that have happened since. Churches all across America, I have many friends that are, I I preached at one last week where they were talking about this very thing. Churches all around the country where churches are struggling to do what they do because they don't have anybody to help. Folk wanna come and and taste and see that the Lord is good, but then they don't wanna go, hey, let me help somebody else taste and see the Lord is good. It's not true here, okay? I'm, I'm not trying to manipulate you. But I wonder if what would happen in America today if the people who know Jesus would just stop. I'm all in, Jesus. What, what could happen in our world today? Do, do, does our country need that, yes or no? Malachi would come and say, please, 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 don't offer to the God who saved you, rescued and redeemed you less than your very best. Over these next three weeks, let's think about it. Would you do me that? You don't have to do anything else if you don't want to. Just pray, God, is there something you are, you're calling me to? 
maybe it's prayer, maybe it's 21 days of prayer, maybe it's getting involved somewhere in the community or somewhere inside of this church or another church, wherever that is. God, maybe it's more worship. Maybe it's just like I'm gonna start becoming a worshiper because I don't know why people raise their hands. I don't know why they clap their hands because that's not my personality. God doesn't care about our personalities. I mean, he does, but he, he, he said, give me your best. I'm not saying you have to do it my way. You can do it your way. Don't, don't get crazy because we'll cut you, right? I'm saying for, for Jesus, of course, right? I just messed up the whole sermon right there. All right. Let me pray for you. Right. Hey, can, 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 you, can you guys just look at me one more time? Do you receive God's word this morning? Do you receive that? I, ho- I hope you do. I hope you do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, manipulate anybody. I just... I just want to give you what God's saying to me, and I hope that you'll receive it in the way that I'm trying to receive it as well, okay? Father, thank you for the word of the Lord from Malachi. I pray that folks know that the best sacrifice, the best offering we can ever give to the one who gave his all is just our lives. So if, we don't, there, if there are people in this room or watching this or listening later on who don't know you, we just start there. God, here's my life. I lay it down. I want you to come live inside my heart, Jesus. I believe that you died an excellent death, but I believe also that you rose in an excellent way and now you are at the right hand of the Father with power and authority. And one day I'm gonna stand with a countless millions and millions and millions of people crying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. God, I wanna be amongst that number. God, be the forgiver of my sins, be the healer of my broken places. Come live in me, Jesus. You are my Lord. And God, I pray for that second group, which represents a lot of us. We just have to examine our own hearts and say, God, am I giving you the best of my time, the best of my worship, the best of my devotion, the best of my resources, of my passions? If not, God, help me make an excellent commitment to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen, amen, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.